We are Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Good morning, everyone. My name is Steve. I serve on the leadership team at Anthem Church. It's great to be with you this morning. Before we get into the word that I want to share, I want to just take a quick moment to add an additional announcement to the ones that Hannah made a little earlier. If by any chance you didn't hear our updated announcements um, about our building project at 3850 West Montrose, I want to let you know that we have added a video to our website so that you can catch up on all the, all the latest news. So you can go to anthemforall.org slash bigger than us to, uh, to view that video and to receive any other information that you need about the building project. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we want to just take this moment to quieten our hearts before you as we get into the word this, uh, this morning. Holy Spirit, we want to pray for your presence. We want to pray for hearts just to be softened, for ears to be pricked, for lives to be surrendered and laid down. And we ask in Jesus' name for your word to wash over us today. May you be exalted in everything that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. And so with that in mind, I thought it would be great for us to do a a three-part series that I've entitled Receive. It's going to be a series about the power of the Holy Spirit that is poured out upon the people of God in the Church of Jesus Christ. It's going to be a series where we answer a number of questions. The question that I'm going to ask and answer, the two questions that I'm going to ask and answer today are who is the Holy Spirit and where is the dwelling place of God? Next Sunday, we're going to ask and answer uh, uh, the, the why and the how of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then for our third part of the series, we're going to do something a little different. Instead of preaching a sermon, Aidan and I are going to host a conversation answering questions that you send us about the ministry and the work and the person and the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So what I need from you is over the next couple weeks, if you can send any question that you have about the Holy Spirit to Eloise at anthemforall.org, that's going to help us shape the final part of this particular series. Before I get to uh, answer the questions that I want to answer today, I want to take a moment to uh, just um, explain a little more about why I've chosen the series title that I have, Receive. Receive Uh, is the posture or is our response to the Holy Spirit. It's very similar to what Paul instructs in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are, are it's the people of God need to be those that are both receiving and being filled with and by the Holy Spirit, which is is great to say, but I'm sure most of us are thinking, well, what does that look like? Is Is it up to God? Is it up to me? To which I answer, yes. It's this dynamic relationship uh, between us and God as we learn to respond to and open ourselves up to the presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes when we think of analogies to describe the way that the Spirit of God is poured out upon us, we, we sometimes choose analogies that don't really capture this dynamic relationship between us and God. Sometimes we can think of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or receiving the Holy Spirit like us coming before the Lord like this empty glass. And as we spend time with God uh, in prayer and in worship and reading His Word and in His presence, the Spirit of God is poured out upon us and we are filled up as we go into our day. 
But during the day, as we, as, we, as we go about the particular things that we are called to do, as we minister to others, as we struggle with our own, with our own uh, weakness, we begin to, as it were, leak the presence of God. Well, this is what we think. And so we need to come back to, to the Lord every single morning in order to, to be topped up, in order to be replenished with the presence of God. Perhaps another analogy that we might think of kind of captures the idea that the that the, the Holy Spirit is the breath of God. Just like a musician picks up a musical instrument, and forgive me for this rather lame musical instrument, this is about the only musical instrument uh, that I'll ever be able to play. Just as a musician blows wind into the musical instrument, blows wind into the wind instrument, that's when the instrument is able to, to, to be used in the way it was created. And that's something of how we think the Holy Spirit uses us. Just as I blow this party uh, um, horn, a quick shout out to my son who turns 14 today. But the problem with these two analogies and others like them is, is they, they tend to reduce the spiritful life that we are called to, to be a series of spiritful moments. And because of that, I way prefer the analogy of, of sailing when it comes to our uh, um, receiving or being filled by the Holy you know, by the Holy Spirit. A, a sailor or a Christian learns to, to, uh, to, to position themselves and to be uh, um, sensitive to and to be aware of the wind or the pneuma or the breath of God in order to um, capture the, the, the wind and to maximize its power. And a, and a Christian, as well as a sailor, needs to learn to grow in order to wait on and watch for and listen to and to align with the wind or, in our case, the Holy Spirit. We used to travel to Boston quite a bit um, to visit our eldest daughter who was at school there for four years. And during her final two years, she, she was on, on the rowing team. I used to love sitting and watching her, her, her team row on the, on the Charles River. Eight women, um, just uh, incredible athletes working together as a team, straining on the oar and plowing through the water. It was an incredible sight. But every time I would watch them straining and, 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 and using uh, all of their incredible uh, strength to, to propel this particular boat forward, I would often see in the distance this single sailboat with, where the sailor wasn't using any effort at all, but using the ability to understand how the wind was blowing and to pick up the breath of the wind and to propel them forward. That's how we are called to respond and receive the, the, the breath of God. Although both catch the wind, there's a significant difference between a flag and a sail. A flag proudly flutters in the breeze, but it's going absolutely nowhere. But a sail uh, 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 is called to, uh, to do something similar, to catch the breeze. But as it catches the breeze, it propels the boat forward. And I want to say, as we learn to receive more of the presence and life of God through this particular series... Let's grow in that dynamic relationship that, that um, living a life in the Spirit calls for. Let's, let's honor texts like Galatians chapter 5, which says, since we live by the Spirit, it doesn't say since we have moments in the Spirit, but since we live by the Spirit, let's learn to keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, let's learn to wait on, let's learn to watch for, let's learn to listen to and, and align ourselves with the breath of God so that we can learn to follow His lead. In this series, let's be ready to receive the life of God. If I were to ask you to uh, 
uh, summarize the narrative of the Bible or the story of the gospel in a few key headline words, how would you answer that particular question? I would suggest most of us would probably say something like this. Creation, the fall, the incarnation, crucifixion, the resurrection, and then judgment. And even as I say that, most of us are probably going, yeah, that, that sounds about right. But what about the 2,000 plus years between Easter Sunday and Jesus' return, whenever that will be? When we don't include that, we're leaving out one of some of the most thrilling and significant moments in church history where the Spirit of God is poured out and the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ are empowered in order to go and be witnesses for Jesus. Isaiah and Joel, both prophets in the Old Testament, certainly wouldn't have left that out in their, in their narrative or in their overarching story of the gospel. Time and time again, they, continue, they, they continuously prophesied that God would one day pour out His Spirit upon all people. Jesus would never have left it out. Uh, uh, during His last few days on earth, He spent time with His disciples telling them and preparing them for the outpouring of the Spirit. And he cried out to anyone who's thirsty, let them come to me and drink, and out of them will flow streams or rivers of living water. Luke and Peter and Paul and the early church would have, would have scoffed at the notion that Christianity could be lived, lived out without the outpouring and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to say, according to, to, to Isaiah and according to Joel and according to Jesus and according to the early church, Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit changed everything. So question number one, who is the Holy Spirit? It would take me a thousand Sundays to be able to adequately describe or teach on who the Holy Spirit is. But here is a, here is a four minute summary. Firstly, he is the spirit of power. In Luke's two part summary of the, of the early church in, in his gospel and in, in the book of Acts, he continually uh, uh, shows us that, that Jesus promises his disciples the outpouring of the spirit. And that happens in Acts chapter 2. And the consequence of the Spirit of God poured out is miracles are done and wonders are declared and, and demons are cast out and cities are transformed by ordinary men and women who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. The age of the, of the power of God came upon the church in Acts chapter 2 and that age still continues now. We cannot ever hope to think we can fulfill the mission of Jesus outside of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, he is the spirit of purity. He's called the Holy Spirit for a reason. He's the only way that unholy, impure people like you and me can become holy and pure in the sight of God. As we learn to keep in step with the Spirit, we learn to keep free from sin. He's the spirit of possession. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we know with certainty that we belong to God, as Romans chapter 8 says. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. When we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, we know that, that, that I am in Christ and Christ is in me. He is the Spirit of presence. Jesus says in John 16, it's, it's good to his disciples, it's good for you that I am going away. Unless I do, the Holy Spirit will not come. And when the disciples heard that, they probably thought, that's not good news at all. But they, they soon realized that it was way better news than they could ever imagine. Because through the Holy Spirit, the presence of God can be manifest to countless number of believers everywhere. And then lastly, he's the spirit of prophecy. When the Spirit of God comes, the Bible teaches us 
that people, the people of God, the ordinary people of God, dream dreams and see visions and they prophesy. And yes, there's been a, a lack of wisdom at times and some excess at times. And that's, a, that's another sermon for another time. But the scripture is clear. When the Spirit of God is poured out, the people of God prophesy. So who is the Holy Spirit? He's the Spirit of power and purity and possession and presence and the Spirit of prophecy. He's also present in our time of need. He's, he also proclaims the Word of God to us. He, 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 he fills us with peace and He releases, uh, he fills us with peace and He prays for us. He, he, he releases the, uh, the passion of God in our lives and He enables us to persevere and He pours out the love of God into our hearts. These are just a few of the, of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit using one letter in the alphabet, which is why I started off this section to say we need a thousand Sundays to answer the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Having answered that question, I want to do what, what Ross in Friends tells us to do as he was navigating his way up a stairwell with a sofa. We need to pivot to the second question that I want to answer, and that is where is the dwelling place of God? And to answer that question, we're going to look at a text in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. Paul writes, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In verse 16 and in verse 18, Paul describes the fact that we have been reconciled to God through the cross and we have access into God's presence by the Holy Spirit. And then in these verses that we've just read, he, he unpacks the incredible sense of belonging we have because of what Jesus has done and because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Firstly, he says in verse 19, we are citizens of God's kingdom. The kingdom of faith is now our home country. Our citizenship has been transferred. We are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. And the kingdom that we were once a part no longer has jurisdiction or authority over us. Sometimes we behave like we, we were still citizens of that kingdom and, and, and we, we incorrectly allow that authority to come and to, and, and, and to have control over us. And I want to say we are no longer citizens of that kingdom. If I were to break, the, break a law in, in, in this country, the South African police, the nation that I used to be a citizen of, wouldn't come after me because I'm no longer a citizen of that nation. When I fall in weakness or in sin... It's not condemnation and guilt and shame that comes after me. It's the grace and mercy and love of God that, 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 that take hold of my life and remind me of who I am in Jesus. But we don't just belong to the kingdom of God. We also belong to God's household, as Paul goes on to describe. God's not just the ruler over a kingdom, but he's, he's a father over a family to which you and I belong. Last week, Debs and I were asked to share a little of our vision for Anthem Church. And any time we get to share about the vision for Anthem Church, it always includes this idea of us being a family, that we are, that we are called to be welcoming and inviting and to relate to one another as brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and, and uncles and, and aunts. But if the church is called to be a family, then a family is also called to be a church. 
What do I mean by that? In order for us to, in order for the church, in order for Anthem Church to, to, to become and to be a family, it can't just happen on Sundays. People experiencing the family of God can't just happen on a Sunday between 10 and 11.30 or whatever time we, we gather, whether online or in person. It has to happen during the week. So whether we are married or single, whether we live alone or with roommates, we, we, we are called, like a church, like many churches, to be inviting people into our, into our community to instruct them in the ways of Jesus. And when we get both the Sunday and the ministry throughout the week, the church being a family and the family being a church, that's when we get to see the household of God on display. But it's not just a kingdom or a family that, to which we belong. The Bible tells us in verse 22 that we are also built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by His Spirit. That's an incredible verse. And I want you to notice the progression of intimacy from citizens of a nation to members of a household, finally to, to living stones that are being joined together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This, verse 22, is the answer to Moses' question in Exodus 33, when he cries out to God, God, what is going to distinguish your people from the rest of the world? What distinguishes the people of God is the presence of God that is upon us and with us as we gather to worship Jesus, to sit under His Word, and to minister to one another. I love the description of local church that my friend came up with. He said, a local church is a gathering of God's people where He is present and in the habit of doing extraordinary things in great power. The dwelling place of God in the midst of the gathering of God's people is a place where God calls home. And I want you just to allow me to, to be a little symbolic for a moment. But it's a place where, where God comes home and relaxes and sits down and breathes a deep sigh because He is home. The dwelling place of God is not an organization or an institution or a company or a, or a lecture hall. The dwelling place of God is a home. It's a, it's a home with big poofy sofas. It's a home with a kitchen table and chairs in the midst of activity. It's a home with, with outdoor seating around a fire pit. It's a home where the bathroom wall or the bathroom door frame has been etched with the markings of the different heights of his children. And I want to say you and I are both are all included in that. What is the first thing that we do when we, when we see, if we, if we lived in a home where our parents marked our heart? We would go and look and see if we're there. And I want to say you and I are included. The issue or the point I'm trying to communicate is not comparison to others, but community with one another. Our friends Dave and Kathy who live in Columbus, Ohio, we, we, we go to their house every Christmas. And on their kitchen door frame, they have markings of their, uh, of their children as they have grown up. And their oldest son, who also turns 16 today, loves to compare himself to my height and he's getting pretty close. And so I marked my, my height on there so that he could see where he is in comparison to me. Again, the point I'm trying to communicate is not comparison, but community. But being part of a community that we have to acknowledge, the temptation is to compare. How do I stack up is a question we sometimes often ask ourselves. I don't have Eric's eloquence. I don't have Gary's kingdom-mindedness. I don't have Courtney's insightfulness. I don't have Peck's compassion. But God is not going to ask me one day, why not more Eric? 
He's going to ask me, why not more Steve? We need to celebrate one another. We need to learn from one another. But we also need to be confident that we are part of the community of God together. God's dwelling place is among his people. His people, And this is a profound thing. This is a personal thing. This is something that is so precious. It should, it should shape everything that we do together. The fact that God is, is here. And when we gather, whether online or whether in person, we don't, we don't hopefully do the right things in order for God to show up. No, he is already present. This dwelling place is his house to which we are a part. And he's loving the activity that he's seeing in his house. The bold proclamations and as well as the murmured half-hearted prayers. The times of worship and the songs sung that are sung in the spirit as we try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. The response to his word, not to my word, but to his word as God's word is preached. The, the going out and inviting and the welcoming in of new people and the caring for and praying over one another. Yes, we are citizens in God's kingdom. And yes, we are members of God's household. But most importantly, we've been brought together as the community of God's people to be a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. Which is why I think David says in Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to seek him in his temple. As Rachel uh, leads us and sings this next song over us, I want to invite us to do exactly that. To take some time to dwell in the presence of the Lord. To take some time to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. To take some time to receive from the Lord. To listen, to wait, to look, and to align our hearts so that we can pick up on the breath of God. Let's enjoy this time together.
visit us anthemforall.org anthem church all of jesus for everyone